Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It is the Friday edition of the Outkick, the coverage radio program here on Fox Sports Radio. Clay Travis back on Monday. He's in Vegas. I'm sure he lost some money yesterday. That means I'm in. I'm his executive producer, Jason Martin, at jmartoutkick on Twitter, joined by eight-year NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F, if you want to find him on the tweets, and you can put his last name by it, and it will work. You know what? It is fitting that Jay Billis and some others compared DeAndre Ayton to Wilt Chamberlain because you can't have the Chamberlain without the Wilt. And it wasn't necessarily Ayton, but it damn sure was Arizona because... Buffalo not only was not intimidated by the Wildcats last night in the later session, in the second half they flat out blew their doors off. This was one of the more just summary beatdowns I have seen in the tournament from one team that was expected to do so much in a long time. I think that the game that I kept thinking about was Florida Gulf Coast and Georgetown. From several years back, the team that had Otto Porter on it, it was a Friday night game. Nobody, Everybody kept expecting, or at least I know I did, watching the game, all right, Georgetown's finally going to make a run and they're going to get back into this thing, and then we'll see what Florida Gulf Coast has. And it just never happened. And when Buffalo got up seven, and then they got up eight, you're like, okay, all right, Aiton's going to take over the game, or Trier's going to hit a couple of big threes, and Arizona's going to be right back in the thick of this thing. And that's not at all what happened. It just kept growing. And then you look up and it's 12. And maybe you've turned over to Arizona and Virginia Tech like I did to see the finish of that awesome basketball game. 
or you're moving around and you're trying to watch a couple of the others and you keep looking at the score to see if it's tightening up and it's not, it's growing. And it's not growing in the way that you think. Arizona doesn't all of a sudden have the lead and isn't up double figures. No, Buffalo's now up 12. Then they're up 14. Oh my God, they're up 15. What? They're up 17. And then the time runs out and Arizona's season ends. And yet again, Sean Miller, we talked yesterday, Jeff, about coaches in this tournament and whether or not when you're filling out your brackets, you look at the guy who's on the sidelines, who's not going to suit up, that's wearing a suit, and you wonder about him when all other things could potentially be equal. Well, things weren't equal between Buffalo and Arizona at all. And most people, Arizona was a trendy national championship pick and a lot of Final Fours, a lot of championship games. They don't make it out of the first game that they play in this tournament and they got absolutely housed by Buffalo. And this is your conference, Jeff. The Pac-12 is donezo. See ya. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Since the Big 12 was created in 96-97, no league among the six major conferences, Power 5 in the Big East, has failed to send a team to the second round until Thursday when the Pac-12 became the first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What a, uh, yeah. I mean, UCLA loses to St. Bonnie, which, look, UCLA is not good right now, but you don't expect them to lose to St. Bonaventure. I mean, that's that's the UCLA. And, and we can actually have a discussion. It'd be interesting, actually, to talk to you about the idea of, because you're, you're in Nashville, you grew up on the East Coast. Is UCLA still an elite program? It's something that we talked about last night on, on Pac-12 Radio. Um, I grew up UCLA Homer. My parents went there, went to games as a kid. I don't know if they're an elite program anymore. Then you have Arizona State losing to Syracuse. Okay, sure. They, Syracuse should should be better. They have better kids. Now, they've been injured all year. They only had seven scholarship players available to play. Their zone shut down Arizona State's scoring. It was Arizona State's um, lowest scoring point total of the year. And then last night, um, we... How do you stop Aiden is always the question. Do you? There's two schools of thought, right? One is almost what the Pistons did way back in 04 against the Lakers, which is we'll let Shaq score as many points as he wants, and we're just not going to let Kobe score. That's that's what the Pistons did. Um, or you just say, we're not going to let Aiden score and try to let everyone else score. And that's what Buffalo did last night. They, they went down, and every time Aiden got the ball, they pressured him. They forced other players to make plays. They didn't do it. Um, it's really the, the, the Pac-12 conference, as much as I'd love to brag about our conference, conference of champions, 1-8 and eight in bowl season, 0-3 in, in the tournament. Um, and Arizona, they had played really well in the Pac-12 tournament. Maybe this indictment again on the Pac-12 and the way they played this season because – uh, Aiden had 32, and then he ended up with 32 and 18 in the Pac-12 championship game to USC, who was the second place in the Pac-12 and did not make the tournament either. So, wow, um, I was shocked when I woke up this morning and saw that score. Um, you know, the first half they they started really slow. I thought I thought Arizona had to start fast to to win this game. You you never want to let a lower seed think they have a chance to win. I mean, same in college football, right? You you never want an inferior opponent to, to have the door open, especially at halftime, and it was it was open. And Buffalo ended the first half strong, and they never really let go of it in the second half. It's remarkable the Pac-12 is where it is right now, especially, like you said, with a player who Jay Billis called, or really said, he has Hall of Fame talent 
to go out in the first round like he did um, is it's bad for our conference, man. It's bad for the Pac-12. Aiden's going to be a fantastic player. He's got everything that you want. Yes. But I will tell you this, watching that game last night, his fingerprints just were not on this game at all. You talk about letting him go ahead and get his and making other people beat you. Well, he didn't really even get his. I mean, he had 14 points, and he had 13 rebounds, but at his at his size, he's going to have a lot of rebounds. Buffalo wasn't going to be able to compete with him on the glass. But 14 points for Aiton, that's not enough when nobody else is doing, any, doing anything. I mean, Ristic had, thir- had 16 and Trier had 10, and that was it. But then you look over at what Buffalo was doing, They had Massenburg had 19. Wes Clark went off. 10 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from distance, 25 points. Harris, the guard next to him, has 23. So those two kids combined for 48 points in that game, and they combined to shoot 6 for 14 from distance. Massenburg shoots 5 from 8, or 5 of 8 from beyond the arc as well. And that's your basketball game. Arizona, there was there were a lot of other things that I noticed during that game. One of them was way too often somebody from Arizona, I, it didn't matter who it was, I know there's a lot of talent on that team, but you should not be going multiple possessions without Aiton touching the ball down low yeah. or Aiton having a chance to touch the ball from 15 feet or the way he shoots the three, even having him step out and potentially taking those shots. He was 0 for 2 from 3. Aiton only took 13 shots in the game. Trier took 15. I'm sorry. Trier's a good player. Aiton needs to be dominant. He needs to dominate. We've seen, we talked about how Danny Manning was able to carry Kansas in 1988. Kimball Walker carrying Connecticut years ago. There are many examples of this. Aiton didn't even get the opportunity because far too often Arizona would take the ball down the floor, the guards would pass it around, and they would take a quick shot, and Aiton wouldn't even necessarily be down low yet to potentially yeah. rebound and go back up with it. One of the worst shots in college basketball, because so many of these kids are streaky in the way that they shoot, is taking a jump shot before there's anybody wearing your jersey in the lane to potentially rebound your miss. It's like handing the ball back if you don't put it in, and that is one of the things that we saw last night. You've got to get the ball to Aiton. Aiton having yeah. 13 shots is unacceptable. Yeah, the uh, the the Trey Young special, the the just run down the court, chuck up a three before anyone yes. else gets down there. <laughs> um, I mean, Steph can do that, but that's because Steph Curry's once in a lifetime, and, and Trey Young makes, may be fantastic. He also makes those shots. Uh, Arizona was two for eighteen from from beyond the arc. I think Arizona, when they started getting down a little bit, they started pressing. Because Buffalo can put up points. They're one of the high scoring teams in college True. basketball this year. They're quick to the hole and they can shoot well. And so I wonder if Arizona, in their in their minds, or just throughout the week, the players thought to themselves, "We have to outscore them, so we need to put up as many shots as possible." And you know the quickest way to outscore someone in in basketball now is shoot a bunch of threes and hopefully you make them. Look, if they go five for eighteen on three pointers, the game is probably different. Or six for eighteen, it opens up some more room for Aiden in the middle. Um, and they just didn't make their shots. And again, this goes back, I think, to to coaching, right? I mean, like it, you when you continue to have the same result over and over again with different players in, in your program, it becomes program problem this is something that we talk about with with ucla a lot is you know alford has gotten the sweet 16 three previous years that was it and then obviously they lost in the first round this year i mean do you blame the players for not playing up to st bonnie's or do you blame the coach or both because eventually it's a pattern of 
of not winning when you're supposed to, and that becomes a program issue. And for Arizona to not show up after they played the way they did, playing on the West Coast, playing a late a late tip for a, an East Coast team, they played a ten. You know, the game tipped at what ten 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 o'clock for an East Coast team in Buffalo. Arizona's playing on the West Coast in Boise. There were Arizona fans there. Um, it was inexcusable to have the talent they they have and really just not show up and not be prepared and not give an, an effort that you would expect them to give. You can lose the way Miami lost to to uh, Loyola Chicago, which is an upset you and I, I know, both picked. But you can give up a three at the end of the game. That's a buzzer beater. We see that all the time in the tournament. You can lose by five. What you can't do is get blown off the court by Buffalo. Buffalo can score. We talked about that. You just mentioned that. They had four guys in double figures. Perkins had 13 off the bench, Massenburg 19, then they had a kid with 23, and then Clark with 25. They're going to be able yeah. to score. But what you can't do is look at Buffalo running away from you in the last 10 minutes of a game if you're Arizona. And we made the coach point yesterday, and I'll make it again. Sean Miller's a bad tournament coach. I know Arizona's been going through a lot. I know Sean Miller himself individually has been going through a lot with the Schleyball story and the fallout from that and everything that's going on there. But he hasn't always been going through a lot, at least compared to all the other coaches in the league. And this is a guy that has flat out not gotten it done in the tournament. And if you're Arizona, if you're a fan of Arizona, are you content to be great, be able to recruit, have a kid like Aiton on the floor, have somebody like Trier out there, and still get bounced out of the tournament. This being an embarrassing, embarrassing way to go out for Arizona, and this destroyed people's brackets. I don't know how many people picked this upset. I need to check to see exactly, but I had these I had these guys in my national championship game, so I'm done, though. I'm not winning anything this year, and I should have known better because I'm the one who laid out this topic yesterday and talked about how I look at these coaches and try to make decisions last year bill self burned me he never will again and i think i even said i'm never picking arizona to do anything again as long as sean miller's there until i see him do it and what happens i pick arizona to go to the national championship because i get caught up in the all of the hoopla surrounding it over the last few days and what everybody was saying about Aiden. and now i'm done and i think arizona at some point is going to have to move on from sean miller he may need a change of scenery but if you can't win in the tournament, it doesn't matter what you're doing in the regular season. It doesn't matter how many great recruits you have. He has flat out not gotten it done. And to get beaten by 21, to get blown out by a 13 seed in Buffalo when you're this much of a favorite, Kentucky has to be thrilled. Although, I don't know, because if Buffalo shoots like that, Kentucky's going home as well. Davidson almost got them last night in the third game of the evening. But I'm looking at Sean Miller. If I'm Sean Miller waking up today, I might still be worried about some of the other things that are going on, but I'm more worried now about my job security because you can't get beaten by 21 like that. That was that was humiliating, quite frankly. Of course it's humiliating. You, I mean, to have a player of Aiden's caliber, to have a player uh, um, that's supposed to be that good and not give him the ball and not have him go off. And also, you know, I, I think... And I said this many times, is I thought the outside noise of the investigation 
was going to help them refocus. And it looked that way in the Pac-12 tournament. They were really good. But now we know the Pac-12 is really maybe worse than we thought they are. And so they really hunkered down in the Pac-12 tournament. I thought the outside noise would be a rallying cry for the team for them to really say, look, screw everyone. We're going to go out and we're going to win this tournament to prove everybody not wrong, but just to shut everyone up. Uh, because I don't, it really was not talked about much this week in the media because you're, you're leading up to the tournament. This has been talked about for weeks. Uh, Turner, was never going to bring it up. So I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a distraction. I just think they lost this game. I mean, they, just, they didn't seem very ready. Uh, yeah. And you, you talk about how they looked in the Pac 12 tournament. I mean, they did need overtime to be UCLA. I watched that game. I had to listen to Bill Walton through that entire UC, game. UCLA is, is not, they, UCLA is talented. There's another thing about coaching, too. I mean, they have Holiday, who's going to be a top three pick, probably. Uh, Welsh, who's not a, who's a, good to decent center in college basketball maybe even really good center in college basketball um i i that didn't ucla's talented they just don't always play like it so that doesn't that's not that surprising to me yeah i mean i guess so i was not impressed with arizona watching that semifinal game uh which bill walton continually referred to as historic but i don't know how many semifinals and conference tournaments are i know i mean that's that's your guy that's your conference right there it's amazing how how uh, hyperbolic he can actually be somehow he trumped dick vital in the sec final when we come back on the other side of this break we'll let you hear from arizona coach sean miller who can go ahead and get to whatever it is he needs to get to a little bit faster maybe than a lot of people assume that was the big result last night was arizona going down to buffalo in flames 89 to 68 wildcats we hardly knew ye we'll be right back i'll kick the coverage with jay martin jeff and for clay travis on fox sports radio welcome back in happy friday car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price list price and invoice true car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience and if you think a train's going to stop if it sees your car on the tracks you're right it will about a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Apparently neither can Buffalo because that had to feel like a train running over Arizona last night. And DeAndre Ayton pretty much declared for the draft right afterwards. And I saw a, a video that says, uh, DeAndre Ayton discusses why he is heading heading to the NBA draft after just one season at Arizona. Do we need that discussion, Jeff? I'm not sure that we needed the discussion that the guy that's going to be picked number one overall that people are already putting into the Hall of Fame and trying to build a statue for yes. probably doesn't need to come back to Arizona next year and can go ahead and cash in now before something tragic happens to him and then he's not able to actually fulfill what he deserves to fulfill with his God-given talent. Well, yes, and they already said he's leaving. Sean Miller said last week he's leaving. So yes. like, I don't know what the surprise is. Um, how about how about this in in um, in college football? I think his name is Ed Oliver, a D lineman. Yes, already announced he's leaving after this year. Fantastic. Just didn't even bo- just doesn't even bother to pretend he's not. He's staying in college. He already announced it. They haven't started the season yet. It's fantastic. I love when guys just say what's what's on their mind. Look, I'm going to play college basketball or college football. <clears throat> excuse me the least amount of years possible and go to go professional because that's what look why why sugarcoat it we know why a lot of players go to college they go to go to the professionals some guys go for education some guys go for both and some guys go just to go to you know to the professional leagues and i like when guys are honest about it 
Yeah, me too, because we already know what they're going to do before they say it. Like anybody that comes out and gives us the lip service for a couple of weeks, it's not like we we think better of them for having this tortured decision to make. We know why you're there. We understand. We would do the same thing. There's no real benefit to Aiton coming back to school. There's no benefit. Like Trey Young's father coming out and saying he wants to see him come back to Oklahoma next year. For what? So he can get bounced in the round of 32 this time? Because the rest, of, I mean, it's I mean, Lon Kruger has taken a lot of teams to the tournament, and he's lost with a lot of teams yeah. in the NCAA tournament. If you're Trey Young, and NBA teams are interested in you, and you're a top ten pick or a lottery pick, I don't know what the benefit is in staying in school if you're not going to graduate. Like, if you're just going to go back for one more year and then you're going to go, like for what? That just gives you another thirty-five, forty games or thirty-five games to potentially get hurt, to potentially rip an ACL and never be the same again. you got to cash in while you can. DeAndre Ayton's the number one pick in the draft. Of course he's going to go, and nobody should hold him to any other standard. He wouldn't have gone to college anyway if he could have gone one and done, right? Uh, or, not, or not gone one and done, if he could have just gone straight out of high school and gone out. So Sean Miller loses again in the NCAA tournament, and in the most shocking upset or the shocking outcome of the day yesterday is Buffalo wins it by 21. Here is Sean Miller after that beatdown that Buffalo, the 13th seed, laid on his Wildcats. It's difficult to exit the tournament the way we have on a season that represented 27 wins in a Pac-12 tournament regular season championship. All that goes away when you, when you lose in the tournament, but in particular, losing the first round the way we did. It wasn't a lack of effort. certainly wasn't a lack of uh, wanting to advance. We got beat. You know, we got beat by a good team. We worked hard to be ready for the game. Our guys practiced hard you know when you go three games and three days in a conference tournament you know you're a little bit banged up so we tried to be smart in our approach but our intention was good we just didn't have it tonight and buffalo deserves a lot of credit uh yes they do the ringers headline about that game was if you lose by 21 is it still an upset because an upset (laughs) is something that happens yeah it is a it is a total destruction is what it is and it's not going to get better for Arizona in the short term. This FBI investigation means this roster is going to get absolutely destroyed. Quinterly left for Villanova. Sharif O'Neal, the son of Shaquille O'Neal, of course, headed to UCLA. Point guard Brandon Williams is decommitted at this stage. We're seeing, obviously, the end of Aiton, or we have seen the end of Aiton already. So Arizona, that is just, it's astonishing. You get some March yesterday. There wasn't a ton of March going on. There were some close games but Chalk did pretty well, except for a couple Come of on, instances. Jason. I I know that was, but was that a huge upset? Was anybody really no. expecting Miami to go deep in this tournament? I had them out when he hit the three. I, I was just happy for my bracket because my bracket had taken a a little bit of a beating on yeah. one of the nine eight games early in the day. The other thing that I noticed yesterday was there were a couple of teams that had a chance to make upsets that could not do it late in the game when they realized who they were. UNCG being the number one example of that in the game with Gonzaga. They had Gonzaga beaten and then executed on back-to-back offensive possessions two of the sloppiest, most pathetically terrible uh, offensive sets you could possibly have imagined. A terrible alley-oop trying to lob it for a dunk down low. Slow down. You're UNCG. Let's move around and get a good basket. Let's go ahead and get a good shot here. Let's not throw the ball away. And then just an awful three early in the shot clock, not even in the hands of the guy you would want it in that bricked and was nowhere close. Then Gonzaga comes down, hits that big three. 
and then that possession I just mentioned happens. Then all of a sudden it's a five-point game and it's over. UNCG had a chance. San Diego State, or not San Diego State, they were pretty close to Houston there late, but South Dakota State against Ohio State, that was a great first half. That was a 43-43 to game at the half. You had the stars on both sides playing big. And then in the second half, you saw uh, South Dakota State get it to within four and then just did not know what to do after that. Again, they didn't have their guy Dom touching the ball for a couple of possessions in a row. All of a sudden, Ohio State's back up a little bit, has a little bit more breathing room and is able to polish that game off. So that is part of this. Upsets come from teams that either aren't fearless, are playing out of their minds, or somehow are able to channel the things that usually will get a young team. Even when you're watching high school basketball and you're watching like a dominant high school yeah. program against a really mediocre team, anybody can play with a team for a half. Now, right. I say that, but Radford got their doors blown off by Villanova, who was four of five from three in the first three and a half minutes of that game last night. Villanova <laughs> looked ridiculous in that basketball game as they cruised to an easy win over Radford. But it's not about playing in the first 15 minutes. It's about being able to play for 40. That's the problem. There's a lot of these right. games that are close. Penn had well, Penn Kansas. Penn played well for 10 minutes. Yes, exactly. I mean, they had the lead against Kansas. Montana scored the first 10 points against Michigan. Michigan didn't have their first lead until late in the first half, and then they were able to kind of handle it once they got there. That's the issue. That's where it is. All these teams have a player or two that can go off. And if they can go off for 40 minutes, then you can get an upset. Or if some other folks right. are playing out of their head, it's the depth. It's the in the second half when there's nine minutes left, you look up and you're up by five points. Who's going to win that game more often than not? It's going to be the higher seed. It's going to be the better basketball team. Right. That's what stunned me is that Arizona never was even able to come close to getting back into that yeah. game once Buffalo took it to 12. Well, I totally agree with you. I watched the first half. I got the other the second half taped, and when I woke up this morning and looked at the score, I was shocked. I was, I, I was shocked. I mean, I, to see them lose like that, um, it was it was remarkable. But a, a, a couple trends from yesterday: first half unders, twelve and four. First half unders. Uh, if you are a gambling man, um, that's from that's from John Campbell at, at Johnny Oddshark. Um, yeah, so a lot of you know a lot of games kind of starting slow. Now there were the opposite, right? You mentioned Seton Hall, NC State was yes billion points in the first half. Alabama and Vautech was a billion points in the first half. Yes, I bet the unders of those in the second half and those all hit. It was great. Um, uh, so uh, no, there are some points. Early, uh, some teams are, are going hard early on, but a lot of teams are feeling feeling themselves out, and that's where you get these upsets kind of brewing because if you keep a, a bad team close they start feeling themselves and then you start feeling the pressure of, of, of having to beat them um the out of the first 11 games uh, eight of the first 11 games uh were decided within three points of the spread like they, like these games have been close we talked about parity um it felt that way yesterday i mean the only team that felt like a like a dominant there were two yesterday duke and villanova now look those two are playing radford and iona i get it but those two looked like teams that can make deep runs they came out early strong they finished strong they never gave their opponent an opportunity to even sniff an idea of an upset um and those two teams looked i think say out of if you were to pick teams that looked the strongest i, I know we talk a lot about the upsets but those two teams looked good yesterday yeah, they look very good. And if you wanted to find somebody a little bit good. off the radar. Yeah, they. I mean, Tennessee looked pretty good 
as well uh, once they finally got right, that yes. big lead. And they, and they totally blew the doors off of their opposition there in the second half. But you look at that South Dakota State game in particular against Ohio State. And Mike Dom, who was just going off this 6'10 behemoth that can shoot like 45% from three and can dunk the ball and take you to the rack, he was playing out of his mind. But Ohio State had multiple guys playing right there with him. And then all of a sudden you look up and Mike Dom is tired. That's how you lose in one of those situations if you're one of those teams that finds a way to upset. You watch that guy that's completely on fire that's having to put his team on his back and you see how much stamina does he really have. Look at Trey Young in Oklahoma. Oklahoma yesterday could have beaten Rhode Island, but at the end of the day, there were a few more threes to be made by Mr. Matthews than there was by Mr. Young when it came when it came tight late in that game. And a couple yeah. of those moves, one stutter to the right, looked exactly like James Harden off the top of the key. Oklahoma shouldn't have been in the tournament to begin with. Trey Young has to shoot a lot of balls to score points. Has a little bit of Russell Westbrook early. Russell Westbrook in him. A little bit of early Allen Iverson in him. And I just, you know, there there's just some situations that don't play out well. Seton Hall's ridiculous. Like, I had no idea. Like, Danny G sends me a text. Let's bring Danny G in. Danny G sends me a text yesterday. He's like, my bracket's perfect. Now I might be taking my first L with this Seton Hall-NC State game. I blame you. Because I, he, he and I were talking, and I said, I'm going to take NC State because I just don't know enough about these two teams, so I'll take the one that I went. I attended it's school there school. for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. But I didn't know Seton Hall was an NBA team on offense. Serious. 94 points, 51 in the first half. What exactly is happening here? They looked like the Golden State Warriors on they offense. I, I just, yeah, that was mind-blowing. Uh, I luckily only took three L's yesterday so I, I still had a good day but that one bothered me the most because it was the you know the biggest toss-up out of the three losses that I had and, and it was the one where I kind of was talking to you as I was filling out my bracket so I'm like damn it Jay and that that's your school obviously so I blame you for sure <laughs> well my school's WKU Danny, but <laughs> I, have we I've never heard Jason claim NC State during football season do you no, I didn't claim. I didn't claim them here either. I just said I picked them because I didn't know enough about Seton Hall, and I did attend NC went, State. You went there though. I didn't know you. Yeah, know it you was went not a NC great State experience yesterday. Yeah, it was not a great experience. You should have told me that yesterday. If you said, "Oh, it was a bad experience there," then I would have went the other way. How many years did you go there? Two years. Two years. Yes. We'll talk about it all there. It was. It was not the most wonderful experience. Okay, I'm, I'm. I'm just okay. Did we'll you talk get off air? Like, did you get trash canned? Sure. No, I did not get trash canned, Danny G. Only get Clay bullies me. No one else does. But yeah, so NC and look, NC State's team that that wins. Seton Hall hadn't won a game in the NCAA tournament since 2004, but they came out and they took. I don't know. You score 51 points and a half. And then you come back. You talked about you bet the unders in a lot of these games in the second half and paid off. Well, in Seton Hall's case, they score 51, and it's a 10-point game at the half. And you're like, all right, these guys are just going to go crazy in the second half. And they did. Most of those other games that had great first halves slowed down considerably in the second half because it got a little bit tighter. All of a sudden, the rim was a little smaller. So I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. But Seton Hall just would not stop. 51 in the first half, 43 in the second half, come on, Pirates. You're the eight seed. You're 22 and 11. You're out here shooting, like as Danny just said, the Golden State Warriors. That's what it felt like watching that game 
at least when I was watching it. I wasn't tuned into that one as much as I was some of the other things going on. Let's bring in Edward Garcia and find out what happened last night in the world of sports. Eddie. Well, guys, we'll get you caught up on the entire day one of the NCAA tournament, at least give you a couple of notes on uh, what happened. In the South region, as you've been talking about a lot, and everyone will be talking about today, the big upset so far in the South region, 13th-seeded Buffalo getting their first-ever NCAA tournament win, and they do it convincingly over 4th-seeded Arizona, 89-68. The final also in the South region, 11th-seeded Loyola Chicago edges 6th-seeded Miami of Florida, 64-62. 13th-seeded Tennessee and 5th-seeded Kentucky also advanced in the South. West region, we had a couple of buzzer beaters, or at least close to it. Number four seed Gonzaga needed a late three-pointer to get by UNC Greensboro, 68-64. Six-seeded Houston got a Rob Gray layup with 1.1 seconds to play to edge 11th seeded San Diego State, 67-65. Also in the West region, third seeded Michigan and fifth seeded Ohio State advanced. In the East region, top seed Villanova Trail, or I should say uh, rolled to a uh, 87-61 win over Radford. Also wins in the East region for third seeded Texas Tech, sixth seeded Florida, and ninth seeded Alabama. In the West region, Top seed Kansas trailed early against Penn, but ends up with a 76-60 victory in that one. Second seeded Duke, seventh seeded Rhode Island, eighth seeded Seton Hall also moving on. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And guys, Tom Benson passed away on Thursday at the age of 90. He had been in failing health, best known as the longtime owner of the New Orleans Saints. He'd owned that NFL team since 1985, also owned the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, which he purchased in 2012. Now ownership of both those teams will go to his wife, Gail. And uh, he was one of three owners that was both an NFL and NBA owner with Paul Allen and Stan Kroenke being the other ones. Thank you, Edmund. I got that wrong. And it's so it's terrible. Right. I'm, I, no, it's really not because I've heard Ben Mallard is Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie Garcia. I've heard that for months. And somehow I still called you Edward. And I guess maybe that makes sense because Clay misses names half the time on this show. I guess I needed to try and do it proud for the Outkick brand. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Plus, we all have a lot going on in our lives. Arizona has a lot less going on in its life right now. But GoToMeeting is the online meeting platform trusted by 99% of all Fortune 500 companies, making it simple for you and your employees to meet with ease. To learn how your company can make the switch today, visit GoToMeeting.com. So, yes, the Arizona win was certainly, or the Arizona loss, rather, was definitely the story of the first day of the tournament, which wasn't like the most exciting day, but there was still a lot of fun basketball to be had. Can we talk about Rob Gray for a minute? What is Rob Gray doing? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to even discuss the problem with the man bun because when you go for thirty nine in front of Elvin Hayes, who had the tournament record for most points scored in a tournament game, Elvin Hayes is there watching you, and you roll for thirty nine, including a game winner with perfect English where you're able to get to the right because the defender can't force you to your left. You swim underneath two guys, and you're able to spin the ball off the bottom part of the glass to get it to go in. When you score 39, it's all right for you to have that man bun. How do you even give up 39? That dude was unstoppable. San Diego State might have had the better team, but that kid, that was one of the great performances I've ever seen from the Houston guard last night, Jeff. 
you know, these type of performances carry teams a long way in the tournament. I mean, I'm not expecting to have 39 points every night, but I wonder if this kind of propels Houston a lot further than we think they do, or think they can go, I should say. That was a 6-11, so that was one that you lost on, but you had you cashed on at least. How did you do yesterday, money-wise? Oh, terrible. Arizona crushed me. Because I doubled down at halftime in Arizona thinking that they there's no possible way that they can lose the second half. I bet every second half bet you could bet first five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, second. It's, it was awful. We're going to take a break. Money, you, when, when you have an opportunity to, to lose and you double down and you lose again. Um, yeah, that's that's a problem. That was bad. But like I said, I won. I The Ramblers helped me out. If St. Bonnie wins today, that'll help me out. And then I started betting the second uh, the unders for the first half and did okay. I just took all the unders for the first half for today. I have a couple and a couple little bets here and there. Um, nothing crazy. No, but it there was ride. only one player more dominant last night or or yesterday as a whole than Rob Gray at Houston, and we're going to discuss her next. That's a tease. See if you can figure out who it is. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Using True Car, you can easily find the car you want. With True Price from True Car, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever even visit a dealership. True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. True Car will show you what other people in your area pay for the car you want. Now, you know what a fair price is, but now you can feel confident, and your certified dealers know this, so they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. Over $3 million. Cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 15,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a new, newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. In all states, sorry, I uh, I want to talk about Sister Jean and. She's going to be in action tomorrow for Loyola Chicago, the 98-year-old chaplain who was not having any of your nonsense yesterday when they showed her on camera as she was representing Gryffindor. If you saw that scarf, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wasn't sure that was a basketball game or a Quidditch match when you actually watched her. Clay Travis is out, by the way. He's back on Monday. Jeff Schwartz is down in Charlotte. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on Twitter. I'm at Jmart Outkick. I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer. And so, Sister Jean's team wins and goes on to play the Tennessee Volunteers, who won fairly easily against Wright State yesterday. And Jason Swain, who's known pretty well in the state of Tennessee here locally, obviously a Tennessee alumni, played there tweets out yesterday i feel bad for what my vols are going to do to sweet sister Jean's school whelp ass whoopings don't know age laughing emoji uh this is innocuous there's nothing to this at all this is just saying hey i'm repping my school tennessee is going to dominate loyola chicago tomorrow and the sister Jean's thing is funny but it's going to end tomorrow when tennessee wins the game And let's go back to the tweet carefully and read it. I feel bad for what my Vols, that's a team and a school, are going to do to sweet Sister Jean's school. Meaning they're not taking Sister Jean out onto the court and, you know, pelting her with tennis balls. Talking about what the Vols are going to do to Loyola Chicago. And because 
some people can't seem to get out of their own way when it comes to social media. We discussed social media in a different context yesterday and about certain ways to try and be better when you're on social media or just to avoid falling into certain traps through your own pride or all of these other kinds of things. Sarah Spain of ESPN quote tweets Jason Swain and says professional. Okay, whatever. Jason Swain says joke, hence the laughing emoji. That should have been the end of it right there. Sarah Spain said, okay, yeah, no, I got it. Good luck to you guys. That should have been the end. But Sarah Spain can't ever shut up. And instead of staying quiet, she chooses to reply, joking about giving a 98-year-old an ass-whooping isn't funny to me. Jeff. Sarah Spain is someone that has from the very beginning gone after all the people that she's on shows with. She gets loud. She gets very belligerent. She goes as hot takey as hot take can get. She insults you because she's trying to be like one of the guys and all this stuff. And that's fine. Like you can be that persona. And she hides behind this deal where she's a, a woman and a feminist. And of course she's social justicey all over the place on social media. She got caught here. Because she was totally wrong, and she was trying to take the high road when she should have just let this go because there was nothing to it to begin with. And once Jason Swain actually explained it, it made all the sense in the world, but she goes joking about giving a 98-year-old an ass-whooping isn't funny to me. That's why I said let's pay attention to the actual tweet from Jason Swain where he talked about the Vols, what they're going to do to Sister Jean's school. I don't think that that included anything regarding what they were going to do to sister Jean, sarah spain and there are this isn't just her it's not germane to her way too many people on social media try to find a way to get outraged over absolutely nothing that's the problem this whole quote tweet thing i at this point in my media career i work for many networks and um i will just say that People try to be outraged on social media, and I just don't get it. I don't go into social media and look to be upset with people's tweets, and some people decide that's the way they want to rule. Yeah, this was a mistake, quite frankly. Don't overreact to stuff. Just be better. We'll be back. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, it is the Outkick to Coverage radio program only here on Fox Sports Radio, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance thanks to Geico. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Also, when you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates when you need it. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. If you're searching for greatness, you're not searching for Arizona basketball today. Not after what happened to them last night. That's Jeff Schwartz laughing in the background. He's down in Charlotte. He's with me. I'm Jason Martin. We're in for Clay Travis, who's back on Monday. Jeff, defend your conference. I know we let off the show, but just defend your conference. Danny G, you guys out in L.A., defend your conference. What is going on? Like, How do you get beaten by 21 points in the first round by Buffalo? No offense to Buffalo. You could, Like I said in the first hour, no you can lose by to five Buffalo. to Buffalo. <laughs> you can lose, yeah, no offense, but all offense intended to Buffalo. You can lose by five to Buffalo. You can lose by seven to Buffalo. You can't lose by 21 to Buffalo. 
The West Coast is concentrating right now on the NBA Finals oh, and NFL football <laughs> dominance. And future Laker watch. Yes. Um, is that all you I, got for me, Danny? That's weak. What, what do you want from us? It's not our fault that our teams have fallen on their faces. I don't, I don't even. You? I'm not even into college basketball, so don't let me in there. But I, I will say that I did. <laughs> I did complete a bracket yesterday. You know, yeah, I was about time, to ask you that. And I had Arizona in the championship game, so yeah, I'm not. Def- I'm not defending the conference or wow. the Arizona or any of it. Danny, Danny did you, you like did you full, actually finish you like, your bracket? I yes, I did, and I tweeted it out. Uh, luckily, I never believed the hype with Arizona. I thought there was too much. You know, behind the scenes stuff going on, obviously with the investigations and everything. So, I actually thought they were going to get beat by Kentucky. So I, I did have them winning uh, yesterday, last night, but I didn't have them going very far. So it didn't break my bracket. Thank goodness. Mm, okay, Danny, are you Jeff? just an LA homer like UCLA, USC, or do you choose? Are you like one more than the other? Yeah, I mean, I went to college in Northern California, so I'm not a homer. Which school? Uh, Stanislaus State. Okay. So I went to Cal State Stanislaw in the Modesto, California area. So, yeah, I, I, I really don't have an allegiance to any of the colleges here in L.A. So, you know, I just watch as a fan. You're just a Cal – you just root for all the Cal States? Fullerton, Dominguez, Los Angeles. Not much to root for there. No. Second, Baseball. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. there you go. Second time in three years, Arizona goes out in the first game in the NCAA tournament. Sean Miller can recruit, but when he gets to the tournament, for some reason, his teams just do not play up. There were some good basketball games yesterday. We talked about Seton Hall and their NBA offense. That Alabama Vatek game last night was a lot of fun to watch. Pretty much throughout, that thing just kept going back and forth. There were guys making plays on both sides. I think in the end, it came down to Colin Sexton. But actually, the other guys for Alabama scoring and Virginia Tech lost Blackshear, and then they lost Robinson, both fouled out of the game in the last like six, seven minutes. And when that happened, they just didn't have quite enough. It was still only a three-point win in the end, but Alabama had it to about a two-possession game for most of the last couple of minutes. That was a very entertaining basketball game. There were some others that were good. Loyola, Chicago, and Miami certainly was a lot of fun to watch. San Diego State gave Houston a run, but Rob Gray went for 390,000 points yesterday, and there was nothing that the Aztecs were going to be able to do to that. Davidson gave Kentucky a bit of a scare, just weren't equipped to beat them late. Again, another one of those teams, one of those 11-12 seeds, that in the last five minutes did not have enough star power, did not actually believe quite enough that they were going to be able to get that job done, and as a result didn't get that job done. The same thing could be said about South Dakota State. Same thing can be said about UNC Greensboro. And now we look towards the Friday matchups. You said it right, Jeff. Villanova was dominant. Duke looked very good. Iona got close a little bit in the first half, but never to the point where you felt Duke wasn't in complete control. Duke was able to cruise and put a lot of their starters on the bench and get them some rest. Michigan had a bit of a struggle against Montana. Michigan's another one of those trendy picks like Arizona. Oh, the Michigan wins the Big Ten, and they're they're playing great. I wasn't particularly impressed with them. Montana had their run, and then when Michigan tied it up near the end of the first half, you just kind of felt like the Wolverines were starting to take control of that game, and that's exactly what happened. Texas Tech had their hands full last night with Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin maybe should have won that game in the last five minutes. Again, the higher seed was able to show a little bit more, and Stephen F. Austin wasn't ready to handle it. 
I mean, they pulled away. They won by 13. I mean, they ended up pulling they away by in 10. the second. And I, and I had Tech go into the Final Four. I don't even know why, but um, with Arizona being out now, I'm glad my one of my final. Now, the way Villanova play, I think they're in the same side as Villanova. Villanova or Xavier, one of those two, uh, they're on the same side with. If it's Villanova, I've it's made Nova. a grave error in my idea of Texas Tech beating them in the Sweet 16. Or the lead yeah, eight, I, I think it is. Yeah, it's it's Villanova. They're on that side, and and the problem yeah. for Texas Tech is they just don't score the ball very well. They do have some players that can do it, and they made an unbelievable right. highlight reel dunk last night. We saw that from Zaire Smith, but they're more of a defensive team. They're a lot closer to West Virginia than they are Seton Hall. Yeah. And to beat Villanova, you got to be able to make shots, and I don't think they can make enough shots to beat Jay Wright's team. Speaking about dunks, do we see fifteen years in the NBA LeBron last night just murder that kid under the basket? That's ridiculous. He's in his year 15. He shouldn't be doing that. Uh, no, he shouldn't. We've never seen anything like LeBron James, though, before. That's the thing. It's the same thing we're doing. I mean, it's different with Tom Brady, but you're looking at guys that are able to play a lot a lot longer. But with the physical side of LeBron James, the fact that he's still able to do it on the level he's able to do it, he said a couple of weeks ago he felt like this was the best season of his career the way he's playing. I don't know that I would agree with that. He had a couple of years in Miami where... I mean, there was nobody even close to as good as he was overall. But the stuff he's able to do from an athletic perspective at his age with as much mileage as he has in the tank in NBAs and obviously all of the extra minutes he's played because of his postseason runs and the stuff he's done in the Olympics and all of these things, it's impressive. And not only is it impressive, it's really unquantifiable because we've never seen it done before, especially somebody that big to play largely, I guess, Injury-free, like compared to a lot of people at this stage, he, he, is, he has been on the has floor been. way when, most. When has, he missed, when has he ever missed a long extended period of time for injury? Yeah, I mean, I guess he really hasn't. I mean, the, the stuff you, that's why when he has a cramp, everybody loses their minds. Like, oh, he can't play because he's got a cramp. Well, I mean, dude's got to have something wrong with him, right? I mean, Get even, the Steph Curry, even, even Steph Curry still injures his ankle every now and then, right? I mean, he, he's, he's going through Every right now, now and then? Well... Steph's an injury risk. Danny G, you can stand. You can step up in this as, as the NBA guy that you are. Justin, you can too. Steph's ankle, that thing must be glued on with Elmer's. Like, he's what? Screwed that thing up four times this season yeah. at least? Every time he lands, you're almost afraid he's going to be out for a week with that. He's had problems with both of his ankles ever since he entered the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, anytime uh, he even lightly twists the ankle – the Golden State Warrior fans gasp because they know that it could be serious. And you saw that last injury he had, what was it, a week ago. He uh, he came down awkward and was hopping yeah. by the tunnel. And everybody, all the Warrior fans, because it happened there in Oakland, and all the Warrior fans immediately thought, uh-oh. And it was, only, it was only supposed to be two games. Now it's a week more. But as long as he's ready for the uh, playoffs, they'll be fine. I would love to have, and I imagine we probably, I don't know, maybe we do, 877-996-6369. If you're a Buffalo alum or a current student, we would love to hear from you because one of the things about March that some have not really gotten to experience is being truly tied to one of these upsets. Like I remember, but it was on a much smaller scale, NC State, while I was there, beat Florida State in football. And this is when that really mattered. And nobody beat them in the ACC. And it wasn't this new expanded ACC. And Florida State was completely dominant at that stage. This was before Phillip Rivers. 
This was Barnett was our quarterback at the time. This is before T.A. McClendon. And they were able to beat Florida State. And I remember parts of that night. I don't remember a large part of that night, at least after that win. But that's nothing compared to like Buffalo beating Arizona by 21 or some of these other kinds of things. And maybe I'll just open it up. If you've, if you've been an alumni or one of the you know, students, especially if you've been in school during one of these gigantic upsets during the NCAA tournament, I'd love to hear about that experience because, you know, Jeff, you went to a Power 5 school and, you know, I went to WKU and they've had a couple of big wins here and there, but nothing that would qualify like this, at least. I mean, they did win a major tournament game a few years ago with a classic play at the end of the ball game, but this is something different. Like, I can't even imagine, like, being on the Buffalo campus and watching that game and what the experience was like and what happened after that. That had to be so much fun. Well, I can't imagine being on the Buffalo campus in March either because I, that seems too cold for me, um, a little bit too snowy. But no, it, it's got to be fantastic. I mean, I got to think that school might, some kids might not show up to school today. Oh, <laughs> you, you do? You think? Last night. Um, yeah, I've never been because, I, like I said, I grew up rooting for UCLA. Now, UCLA had some upsets in football when I was a kid. I mean, you know, UCLA has gotten better at football, but they had a couple upsets when I was a kid. Um, you know, going to Oregon, you know, you don't really have major upsets. I mean, you're a major college program, and there's times when when there were you know, people that think Oregon would win football games. We won them. I wouldn't consider them major upsets. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever been, as a sports fan, uh, you know, the Giants, I'm a baseball fan, the Giants winning the World Series in 2010 was a pretty big surprise. I don't know if it was considered an upset, and it was pretty fantastic to be a fan during that run. Um, but I don't think I've ever experienced the the euphoria of my team, you know, really winning a game or games that they should not have won. Yeah, I just... I. It's 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 tough to fathom like how much fun and how much just craziness went down yesterday in Buffalo when they're sitting there watching that game and watching Arizona yeah. go down. I I have to think that the 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 feeling could only be trumped by what Loyola Chicago did because when you make a shot like that that has mm-hmm. almost a greater impact that I think as a fan than when you blow someone out because when you blow someone out you know, as the game goes on, you're just like, okay, now, like, it, it, it's fun in the moment, but as you keep blowing them out, you realize you've won, right? And, and you're not on the edge of your seat, and you're not wondering what's happening, but the Rambler fans last night are on the edge of their seat, they hit the three, and it's almost, it makes, it makes it feel more improbable to win the game than it does if you blow the team out. Yeah, I agree with that. That's absolutely true. The games, yeah, the that's where you get those moments, certainly. That Loyola-Chicago shot, just something like that happening at the end of a game it usually happens on a bigger scale like I recall very one of the most ridiculous game winners I've seen and there have been many in the NBA but still the Robert Ory shot that beat uh, the Sacramento Kings the year that I thought the Kings were the best team in the league when Chris Webber was firing on all cylinders it was in LA they get it to Ory at the top of the key at the end of that game he makes that three completely changes that epic epic series that ended with bad officiating but Danny, I know you remember this very well. I'm sure you remember that shot like it was yesterday. That is the kind of euphoric moment that you just don't get very often, and you've got to soak those in when you get it. Buffalo, that could be the greatest moment that that school ever has. It might be the greatest win that they ever have. They might get blown out in the next game against Kentucky and just head to the house. 
but they're never you're never going to be able to take away the memory of what happened last night. Could be. And how about that epic three pointer by Loyal and that for by, sure, yeah, yes. by Loyola Chicago. I mean, same thing. And and what was great about that three pointer stood there and like set set up his shot, and because I thought he was going to pass the ball there, and just drained it. That was amazing. I hope their run continues. I I have a feeling they may be the Cinderella of this tournament. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Sister Jean will be in full force tomorrow against Tennessee. That'll that'll be certainly entertaining to watch. And that was an NBA level three. I mean, that was a step up from Jimmer range to make that three to uh to send Miami packing. The games start today at twelve fifteen Eastern Texas A and M and Providence in a seven ten matchup. That's a interesting ball game. That's two pretty good basketball teams right there. Definitely one to watch. Purdue and Cal State Fullerton. Purdue's another one. <clears throat> Just like Sean Miller. Matt Painter has done nothing in the NCAA tournament. I don't have Purdue going deep. I should have done the same thing with Arizona, but I definitely did it with Purdue. I know a lot of people, there are multiple people in this studio I'm in because I'm looking at some brackets that are posted up around, just kind of on the walls on various push pins and thumbtacks, and Purdue's in multiple Final Fours in this room. Not in my Final Four, and mainly it's because of Matt Painter, not the guys on the sidelines. Wichita State and Marshall, I saw Marshall in the Conference USA Championship game against my alma mater, WKU, Western Kentucky, and they had one guy that was shooting threes from 40 feet in the second half and could not be stopped. That's how you win one of these kind of games. Wichita better look out. If Marshall is hot from deep, that could be most intriguing. And then the final early matchup, Cincinnati and Georgia State, where Georgia State is Wendy's and Cincinnati is Ruth's Chris. Here, <laughs> I guess it just depends on your fate. You're not a Ruth's Chris guy, Jeff, so I won't say we're Ruth's Chris here at Outkick. I'd rather go to Wendy's and Roos Chris. I'm sure that doesn't surprise any of you. We'll be right back. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Well, Kendrick from the Black Panther soundtrack bringing us back. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Also, if you think a train's going to stop you, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. You're not Black Panther. You will die. Clay Travis is back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin at Jmart Outkick, joined by Jeff Schwartz. He played in the NFL on the offensive line for eight years for five different franchises. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on Twitter. The biggest line today, at least as it stands right now, is Virginia a 21-point favorite over Maryland-Baltimore County? I, you know what? I feel like somebody is going to win bigger than Virginia does today just because of the way Virginia plays. 21 is a lot of points for Virginia, especially losing their sixth man, their most athletic player. They just I don't know that they're going to push the ball. This ain't going to be Villanova you know, up 30, 10 minutes into the game, I don't think. Just because of the way Virginia plays. 21, I don't know that I would ever bet a whole lot of money on Virginia because Virginia can win by eight. Every time, like, that's the thing. I remember when they were up like seven points against Clemson. I told somebody, I was just kind of like, well, that's basically the equivalent of being up 40 because of the way Virginia plays defense. I don't know that they need to be up 21 to win the game. So that's a pretty high line, in my opinion, as somebody that doesn't gamble at all and whose opinion you shouldn't care about. They have the, they set, 
uh, the over under at a hundred and twenty one, and the game. So they have over under for Virginia at seventy one and a half, and for Maryland, Baltimore County at forty nine and a half. So I feel like a forty nine points is kind of high for Maryland, and Baltimore County. So what, on their jersey, does it say like what does it say? That's a long UMBC. school name. Unless it, unless it's got like the mascot, which I'm not sure. Apologies to the alumnus listening to us from Maryland, Baltimore County. I'm not sure what their mascot is, but I mean South Dakota State had Jackrabbits on the front of their jersey yesterday. Because look, if you're the Jackrabbits, I would put that everywhere that they would let me put that because Jackrabbit sounds a lot better than South Dakota State, and that's the kind of jersey that you would actually want to sell if you were in like a student store. I'd buy a jersey that said Jackrabbits on it. Would not buy one. That said uh, South Dakota State on it, not nearly as fast at least, although we've had this argument before. At our age, I'm not sure it's okay to buy jerseys anymore. How are you on jersey guy, Jeff? I'm I'm not very much like Clay on a lot of things, but I am 100% in agree with him on this. Adults should not be wearing jerseys at, at ball games. Adults should not be wearing jerseys, period. Um, you should definitely not wear a jersey with someone else's name on the back of it. That's That's crazy. I think hockey is the only one that I make an exception for because hockey is more of a fashion statement with those sweaters, but the, there's a lot more to hockey jerseys than there are the others, but I agree with that. And Danny, we talked about this yesterday because yeah. I was telling you, I was, I was looking at some various jerseys and things like that. And like, we talked about how it's okay if you put like a legend on your back or something like that. Yeah, Jeff, even, okay. even Clay agreed with that, that a throwback jersey could be more acceptable for an adult because that player is older than you but to have a young kid's name on your back he said was weird so wait 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 you're you're okay with so just, in, I, in other I words if imagine, i'm rocking I can't imagine being, a, being an adult male and going to a charlotte hornets game and wearing a throwback larry johnson jersey like that doesn't like, that, that doesn't <laughs> Well, that's a like bad. It, that's a bad example though yeah, jeff yeah it's a terrible example <laughs> i will I'll always rock a kobe jersey at lakers yeah. games and I'll always wear a Bo Jackson jersey to a Raiders game. So I think that's okay. But when somebody has to go run out and buy, you know, the number one draft picks jersey, that that's a little troublesome to me. And, I, the, the, and then worse than that are the guys who put their own last names on the back of a jersey. Yeah, customizing so I, a jersey and putting like, I don't know, little tree your on the back of a jersey or whatever, like two thumbs. Or whatever it is that you call yourself, that you've probably self-glossed yourself. Because let's be real, if you're putting your nickname on a personalized jersey, you probably came up with that nickname. But you can't do that. Like, if you want to wear the blank jersey, that's all right. And again, I think hockey's different. Am I alone in that, Jeff? Are you not okay with hockey jerseys either? No, I think, well, hockey jerseys too, they also can keep you warm, right? Because they're a little thicker? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. If you wear a jersey, okay, I... I understand that the Bo Jackson throwback to a Raiders game, and it's a loose jersey, right? It's not like one of those game-worn jerseys. Please not. Um, I just have never been – I've never been a jersey guy in general. The only jersey I've – well, I bought a couple of Giants jerseys, but they're, they're, they're I mean, uh, uh, uniform, but they're they're plain in the back. They don't have a name on them. So I think they're – I just collect them. I think the orange ones are cool. They were on Friday nights um, for baseball. I did think the other day, by the way, that if LeBron goes to Lakers, I will buy LeBron Lakers jersey. I don't have a Kobe jersey. I don't have a Shaq. I have no one's jersey. But if LeBron goes, I might buy his jersey just to have in the house. I would never wear it in public, but just to say he played for the Lakers, I might I might do that. I don't know why I thought about that anyways. I don't have any jerseys right now. Why would I do LeBron's jersey? I'm pretty sure Justin just threw up in his mouth. <laughs> 
I I literally just was. Oh God. <laughs> Still not What's a LeBron fan. He's not. He, he hates LeBron James, even as a Lakers fan. Doesn't really want to have to root for him. Why right? you hate LeBron? Why do people hate LeBron? I don't understand this. Because he's a giant bitch. All right, Clay. No. <laughs> Fair enough, but there, he can help the there Lakers. There is a win. fraction of Laker fans who want to stay with this young core that we have at the moment and don't want to feel like we bought a championship by bringing somebody like LeBron in. You mean like you mean like bringing Shaq in as a free agent? They don't want that. Yeah, that was a little different because well, they're younger. Yeah, right. Well, he was younger. Or, tra- or he, trading he had a- for or trading or trading for Kobe. I mean, it's not like it's not like the Lakers have have just drafted all these all these young guys. You know, Kobe. I guess you maybe can count as a draft pick. I don't know. They didn't draft him, but um, it, I don't under, I, I don't get what what the problem with winning is. LeBron will bring other people with him to Los Angeles. He's not going to come by himself, and it's been proven in the NBA. That you have your star has to be twenty seven to win. So are, are the Laker fans going to wait six more years to all their stars grow up to win a championship? Okay, fine. I guess if Laker fans, you some the small fraction, you want to wait seven more years for for the Lakers to be competitive, then go be my guest. Or you can be competitive within the next year or two if you bring LeBron in and two of his friends. I don't. I don't get. I just don't understand that concept. I think it's the same concept of not wanting when you have like uh, somebody that you root against for the majority of the time that you've been watching the NBA. You don't want that person to join up on your score. You want to beat them. I I feel like that's where it comes from. So you're you're a Broncos fan, correct? Yeah, both of us. So what if what if um, what if what if Derek Carr was a free agent and you guys signed him? You're going to be upset about that. You're not going to root for Derek Carr anymore. I think it's hard to compare the NFL with that same attitude because I I think the NBA is so much more uh, uh you know per like personal it's it's more individual so you you have like the personality they're not wearing helmets like I feel like you have more of uh, individual rivalries in the NBA. It's funny you say that because a lot of Niners fans I've talked to this week were like, "Yeah, I didn't like Richard Sherman at all, but now, but now he's a Niner. I love him." Like you, you, the second he, the second LeBron came to the Lakers and they won fifty five games that were a two seed or three seed or four seed, I don't know what they would be. You're going to be a LeBron fan. You just are. Well, I'm no. See, that's the thing. I, I, I'm going to I'll root for him on the court, obviously. Like, and I'll I'll cheer when he when he plays well. But I can I can never be a fan of him. I just I can't see it. The things that he says, it just it makes me like, ugh. I'm like a fine wine. Shut up. <laughs> I thought you were saying that about yourself for a second. I thought and he that was, was too. about to be a real problem. I thought he was too oh, no. until, until Danny started laughing. <laughs> no. I figured it was about LeBron. <laughs> Did LeBron really yeah, say that? Yeah, I he, didn't hear that quote. Yeah, he said that recently. What, because he's aging like a fine one? Is that the idea? He's, he said that he's playing like the best he ever has in his whole career. And then he's like, you know, I'm like a fine wine. And then and other quotes, too. You know, nobody has like, you know, my game is, you know, different than anybody. Just like, I don't know. And his then, high it, IQ quote. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want me to turn off my brain or something? It's just all these stupid quotes. And then the theatrics on the court, like after he won the title and then c- collapsed in like the fetal position on the floor. I just think he's, I think he's an actor. <laughs> well, he was pretty good in uh train wreck. So maybe, maybe he actually true. is. Yeah, no, actor. he was, he wasn't bad. He was, <laughs> but, but so this is the best, you know, go ahead. 
I just I think that his whole persona, you know, with the NBA, it just all seems contrived. I don't like it. Well, I, mean, I, do think I, I do think that they're definitely they've cultivated an image for him. His team has, and so has he. I think that definitely is the true. I I just don't care. Like I just I want him to be a Laker, so the Lakers win basketball games. But well, I think well. that we can win. I think that we'll get there, and I don't think we need LeBron James to do it. I think we can get there with the pieces that we have, and maybe a couple more. Like I mean, something. I like the idea of getting Clay Thompson, and then maybe uh, you know a center that fits the team well, like DeAndre Jordan or something like that. I think we, with that, with the squad that we have, and a couple pieces like that, we can get to that level. I don't feel like you're going to win very often with anything named Clay on your yeah. team. <laughs> or, De- or, or DeAndre Jordan? No, just Clay. Let's bring just in Eddie Clay. Garcia. We win. We win with him all the time. Let's find out what happened yesterday in the world of sports. Eddie, what's up? Well, day one of the NCAA tournament did not disappoint. We had some upsets. We had some buzzer beaters. We'll start in the South region, where 13th seeded Buffalo easily beat the fourth seed Arizona, 89-68, in the upset of the tournament so far. Also, 11th seeded Loyola Chicago gets a last second three pointer to beat sixth seeded Miami of Florida. 64-62. Also winners in the South region, third seeded Tennessee and fifth seeded Kentucky. In the West region, fourth seeded Gonzaga got a late three-pointer to get by UNC Greensboro, 68-64. And sixth seeded Houston got a last-second layup to beat San Diego State, 67-65. Also wins in the West region for third seeded Michigan and fifth seeded Ohio State. In the East region, top seed Villanova rolled over Radford, 87-61. Also wins for third seeded Texas Tech, sixth seeded Florida and ninth seeded Alabama. In the Midwest region, it was top seed Kansas trailing early but then getting by Penn 67 to 60 second seeded Duke was a winner as long as well as a seven seeded Rhode Island and eighth seeded Seton Hall this report is brought to you by True Car online car shopping can be confusing but not anymore with true price from True Car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience and guys it's also time for our Geico play of the day here comes Loyola a chance to win it Towns into the front court on the left wing top to Ingram three for the win good he made it Thanks to Westwood, one on the call of Dante Ingram's game-winning three-pointer as 11-seeded Loyola Chicago beat Miami of Florida 64-62. That's our Geico play of the day. Appreciate that, Eddie. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. This is the best tweet I've seen in a few days. This just reminds you how picking brackets is such not a science. I picked Arizona for the final four, this tweet says. My three children each picked Buffalo because they thought Buffaloes were cool. I hate March. Pretty much true. It doesn't matter how much you look, how much research you do. uh, and, And everybody, of course, is doing research on these teams that no one's laid eyes on before and trying to talk about their guard play or talk about this or that or their senior leadership. At the end of the day, Charles Barkley is about as right as anybody else is. And Charles Barkley doesn't even start watching college basketball until about, I don't know, yesterday around noon or maybe during the conference tournaments <laughs> right before he goes on air. He does a cram session and then does what he does. That's why, I, I mean, I love Charles anyway, gets, but it doesn't matter. I don't think he do, I don't think he even does a cram session. I just think that he just shows up and does the show because look, inside the NBA, there's no script on that show. It's no. Eddie... Yeah, Eddie. Ernie has a script, and that's it. Shaq and, and Kenny and, and Barkley just go with it. And so now you ask Barkley to do a, a scripted show almost about college basketball, which is someone who spends my whole day covering the NFL. It's hard to get in college football 
and the other things I have to. Charles Barkley spending all day on TV every night or every other night or every third night covering the NBA. He's not watching college basketball uh, uh, religiously. Um, so it's it's just really funny um, that he that CBS and Turner puts him on. He's fantastic on TV. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it doesn't matter because none of us no. do, especially he's there for not this year. Yeah, he's great. He's the best. He's absolutely the best. I like I, I've said it before on this show. I never miss inside ever. I it DVRs every single night. Even when I can't watch the games, I'm still going to watch inside because that's something I feel like I can't miss. That's how good that show is. I want to watch them talk about the sport. I might not even have time to watch that day or even that you know several days that cluster of days because of how entertaining that actually is the tournament is always entertaining yesterday maybe not the most entertaining day we've ever seen certainly was not but that arizona loss is still the one that is it's probably broken just about every bracket i saw i think espn's down to six thousand perfect brackets and there's still an entire day left to go and there's some high seats today that are very very popular i would say that there are some that you can look at and, and point to and say, you know, these could be trouble, and then others that obviously are not, like Carolina and Lipscomb. That's probably not going to be worth watching for very long. No offense to the Bisons, because they are truly, you know, that that's an interesting story. It's the first time for them, and of course that's local here. So I've been, you know, watching that story kind of unfold over the last week, week and a half, as they've kind of tried to get to the tournament. Here they are, and they're matching up with a really good North Carolina team, a team that many years has the talent. They could have been a one seed, could easily make the Final Four. They're in my Final Four as well. I don't anticipate that one being close. I'm hoping for a little bit more drama today than we got yesterday. It was definitely a lot of chalk, and some games that were chalk that weren't fun. Like that Florida-St. Bonaventure game last night, I had the Bonnies winning that game, and I I don't think I was alone. I know you did. Danny, didn't you have that one too? Or I, no, I, no, I did, and they were in the game for a while. I, 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 I yeah, they were. I mean, it was an I, arm's length situation. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that they weren't going to ever close in all the way, and and by the start of the second half, it was like, okay, this is, yeah, this is not going to go the way we wanted it to. What are your upsets? You mentioned Hall yeah, scored yeah, yeah. a lot of points last night. North Carolina, by the way, their team over under is ninety one for today. Hmm. Where do you have that one? Are you betting on that one? I was told to take the over in the entire game, which is a lot. They haven't set it at a uh, a lot of 162 points. It's a lot of points in college basketball. That West Virginia-Murray State game, West Virginia, who can win scoring 55 points, same way Virginia does. Murray State, they can really shoot the ball. That is a situation where... If Murray State can get hot and shoot from deep, West Virginia could go home. But West Virginia is another team that could easily go to the Final Four. That's what makes this tournament exciting to some extent. One other thing I want to say before we go to break. Boise. If we can't get a better camera angle than what we had to endure all day yesterday from like the Eagle's Nest or wherever that was, the rafters. Yeah, like if that's the best angle we can get for the NCAA tournament, how about we just don't go to Boise? Like, when I go to three channels and I'm right there up close on the action watching things from the camera that I'm used to watching basketball from over the last 25 years of my life, and then I go to this and I feel like I've bought really bad ducats in the top of the joint, and you can't tell the trajectory of any shot, so you have no idea when it leaves anybody's hand if it's going to be good or not, I thought that was just abysmal. 
like, and I know that it's happened before. This is not something to be newly upset about. But stop going to Boise if you can't put a camera in the normal spot because it was so strange to me. Maybe I'm the only one, but I did not like. And those were some of the best games of the day. So I ended up yeah. watching that camera more than I watched anything else. Yeah, there are some arenas that are – and there's actually some NFL stadiums. Like This is a really inside football thing, but the Bears have the worst sight lines for any camera angle. It's almost – even the film that we get as professionals is almost unwatchable from the sideline angle because it's so low. You can't see anything. I don't understand how nowadays you can have a stadium that's state-of-the-art, but you can't find a place to put the, the camera in the right place for, the, for, for, tele, for, for television. I don't understand it. Me either. I'll tell you what we do understand. Animal Thunderdome. We didn't do any of that yes. yesterday. Well, we're going to do some Animal Thunderdome on the other side. I'm going to do what Clay always does, which is we're going to do Animal Thunderdome next. And then during the break, he asks us to find stories. Danny and Justin are probably dying <laughs> laughing right now because then it'll be they'll come to me during the break and say, hey, what do you have? And I'm just like, I've got nothing. So then I start looking, scrambling for animal stories. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. Danny G and Justin have some fantastic Animal Thunderdome stories, and we'll let them tell you those next. This is Outkick the Coverage with J. Martin Jeff in for Clay on Fox Sports Radio. It's Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Clay's in Vegas. He's back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin, executive producer of this program at J. Martin Outkick, joined by eight-year NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on Twitter. Danny G., Justin Cooper in L.A. spinning the Dodge Radio style for us. And if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. So, animals are a problem. This is not news if you've been watching this show. And it's real problematic for Danny G this week as he talked about the spider that was the size of a Labrador retriever which then became a tabby cat next day, thanks to clever audio editing by Danny G trying to get himself out of trouble. The problem was it wasn't even as big as a tabby cat. It wasn't even as big as a hand. This story about this giant spider was about as real as it was in Stephen King's It. But what is real is Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet of stricter stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. All right, what do we got, boys? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll actually do my own work. A suspected big cat poacher has been eaten by lions near the Kruger National Park in South Africa. The animals left little behind, but some body parts were found over the weekend at a game park. It seems the victim was poaching in the park when he was attacked and killed by lions, according to police spokesman in Limpopo. They ate his body, nearly all of it, and just left his head. They have not been able to establish the victim's identity. Seems like the lions were trying to help him out, Jeff. It's like, we're going to leave the head. That way you can actually find out who this dude was. But they don't know as of yet who he is. They found a loaded hunting rifle and ammunition next to the body. And by body, we mean head. Because there was no torso, no legs, no arms. So I'm, I'm always very confused by this segment. Am, am I supposed to be like cheer for the animal or be upset that the, the, the human got killed? I never understand. I, always, I say something and then you always say that I'm not supposed to act that way during this segment. So what, what am I supposed to say here? 
you're supposed to say whatever's on your mind. I mean, the segment like, is about for, animals like, kind of rising up against humans. I'm like, not a fan of poaching, the, so... Like, good for the lions. The guy's illegally poaching them. Good, I'm glad he ate them. Well, it was several lions, so it wasn't he. And they just well, left se- this guy's head. I agree, I'm not a fan of poaching. They, no, who's a fan of poaching wild animals? It's sort of a joke. It's about. It's like being a fan of racism. It's something that we do on this show a lot about oh, okay. how we don't talk about things that are very, very obvious. Poaching, you deserve what you get. All power to the lions in this case. This is not a, we have to kill all the sea lions because they attacked a little girl. <laughs> One attacked a little girl amazing, in Canada. <laughs> That was incredible. Kill all the sea lions because one sea lion attacked a girl. It was unbelievable. It was, I think it was on that day, too, when he, I called in, and he's like, kill all the seals. What, what, what do you mean kill all the seals? For, for what? Yeah, he's, he's a little bit ridiculous. Neighbors in Colorado <sighs> being warned to keep an eye on their pets after not one, not two, not three, but four mountain lions were caught on camera parading through a woman's yard. The homeowner in Jefferson County, Colorado, said she put up security cameras outside of her home in the hopes of catching footage of local wildlife, but she was shocked to review the video and discover a family of cougars crossing her yard. Quote, two went by, three went by, and then one jumped over the fence there. Not two, not three. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm a little worried to walk my dog at night. I walk down the street making noise and singing. She laughed. (laughs) Four mountain lions? Yeah, if I'm seeing cougars, I'm probably keeping Fido in the house. Yeah, my uncle lives in in uh, Thousand Oaks, and they can't like they have to make sure that their their backyard is super secure because mountain lions will come down and steal and will steal kill uh, domestic pets that are hanging outside, and they see them all the time. They're they're creeping Four up on cougars. us, man. They're coming to get us. Uh, they are. Four Cougars in Colorado is a much different headline than Four Cougars in Las Vegas. If this story was taken in Las Vegas, I'm thinking we might have been talking about it in a different way. And finally, I will tweet this out from at Jmart Outkick as well as at Outkick. You should be following both. Video. Horrifying moments. A coyote creeps up to a family like Marcelo Huertas hiding behind Eric Spolstra a few years ago and then diving onto the court to steal the ball from Goran Dragic. He crept up to a family, this coyote did, at Cal State University and bit a five-year-old on the leg before 6.30 p.m. It is an amazing video. This coyote is crafty. It was shot. Guess what? It survived. Animals survive. So do we. We're back. Final hour of the program this week. Clay's back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin and with Jeff Schwartz. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Had somebody tweet us during the break and say, hey, I told that, or that it said that I suggested that I told that lion poacher story a couple of months ago. I remember that story. This is a new one. Lions are out to get poachers, for sure. And they did it the exact same way, leaving the head behind. It is a story we have done before, but it's not the same story. And then the guy tweeted back and said, these lions are like the Dexter Morgan of the animal kingdom. Indeed, they are. The dark passenger is with these lions, but the uh, dark passenger right now is with the Arizona Wildcats because, speaking of cats, I guess we could just stay with the Animal Thunderdome here. By the way, this is ridiculous. I saw this story during the break. We were talking about Maryland, Baltimore County, who's in action today against Virginia, and we looked up their mascot, by the way. Is it just, are they the dogs, Jeff, or is that just, is it a certain kind of dog? It's a retriever. Okay. Well, they've got the kind of, like, their mascot or their, like, logo 
has this sort of half animated retriever on it and it's fantastic like it's it doesn't look menacing at all it looks like something that you want to own like virginia is probably going to own them later but this is ridiculous a baltimore cat a 17 year old baltimore cat got a nineteen thousand dollar kidney transplant a couple of days ago betsy boyd a part-time professor at the university of baltimore said she was devastated to learn that her cat stanley was suffering from renal insufficiency and likely had only months to live so instead of her and her husband using the nineteen thousand dollars they had been saving for a new car they got stanley a kidney transplant if you're single out there like me i was thinking reading this i'm like man i want to find the woman that is willing to love me the way this woman loves her 17 year old cat stanley can you imagine saying nah not gonna get that rav4 not gonna get that camry not gonna get that accord i'm gonna get a 17 year old cat kidney surgery that might look at 17 kidney surgery is probably the least of stanley's problems i hate to break this to betsy but there's probably other health concerns coming how much longer are you really going to prolong this cat's life if you had to get it a $19,000 kidney surgery? Well, first of all, that's obviously too much money to spend on a domestic pet. I mean, I, I, look, I love animals just like everyone else does. I think it's yes. a given, right? That everyone loves animals. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. I have a friend right now whose dog is 14. It cannot control its utilities. It poops everywhere. It pees everywhere. Um, and I'm like, dude. It's faculties, right? Did you say it's futilities? Faculties. Okay, faculties is the word. I think you said futilities. I never have used futility in my entire life, I promise you. Facilities, that's worse. What? You said facilities. I said facilities? Yes. Faculties. What am I supposed to say? Faculties Faculties. is the right word. Okay, we just make sure that we got everything correct here. We don't don't make mistakes on this program. I, I know, you you, you, you have multiple spelling bees. We understand. That's what you were known for in your childhood. Um, so the dog has to sleep outside now in the garage because it makes noise at night. I'm like, dude, you got to put the dog down, man. Like, you just, the dog is going poop in your bed and pooping over the floor. Like, people just get very attached to their pets. It's crazy. Speaking of pooping in the floor, that's pretty much what Arizona did last night. <laughs> what a, a good, segue. Good pivot. Yeah, Arizona loses to Buffalo, not by five, not by seven, not by something that seems normal. Like, look, you can get upset in a tournament, you can lose, you can lose on a buzzer beater the way Miami did, or you can even lose by seven or eight points. What you can't do is get your doors blown off and just watch Buffalo run away from you. This is not the 1992 AFC in the NFL where that would be okay. This is Buffalo, the college basketball team that took the Arizona Wildcats, who apparently have something close to a deity on their team in DeAndre Ayton. If you listen to anybody talk about what he's going to be in the NBA, Jay Billis compared him to Wilt Chamberlain and said he is a Hall of Famer waiting to happen. And that may be true. He looks like he's an awesome basketball player from everything that we've seen from him this season. Runs like a deer, can shoot the three like crazy at his height, rebounding, just outrageously great player. But last night, his Arizona Wildcats got knocked out in their first game in the NCAA tournament. Sean Miller, more futility in the NCAA tournament. Buffalo beats them by 21, and it was that situation, I talked about this in the first hour, 
where when you're about to watch an upset happen in the NCAA tournament, and it's one of these, and these are more rare, these kind of beatdowns that make no sense, like New Mexico getting knocked out a few years ago, or Florida Gulf Coast and what they did to Otto Porter in Georgetown several years ago. This is one of those where Buffalo's up like seven points in the second half, and you're waiting for Aiton to take over, and you're waiting for Trier to take over, and you're waiting for all of a sudden Buffalo to remember their Buffalo and Arizona to remember their Arizona. And then it's 12 points, and it's 72-58. And you're saying, okay, or then it's 72-58, it's a 14-point game. You're like, okay, they're still going to come back. There's still plenty of time. There's seven and a half minutes left. Arizona, this is this is where the, the higher seed comes back, makes the run, puts the pressure on this double-digit seed, and then they collapse. And then all of a sudden it's 17. And then it's 19. And then it's 21. And then the horn goes off, not for a foul, not for a timeout, but because the damn game is over. And Arizona's season is over. <laughs> and Aiton's college career is over. And Sean Miller's coaching career at Arizona could possibly be over. And you look up, and this team that so many people not only had advancing in that game, but beating Kentucky, upsetting Virginia, going to the Final Four, going to the National Championship game. People, and we talked about it yesterday, comparing Aiton to Danny Manning and Danny and the Miracles and what Kansas was able to do to Oklahoma in 1988 and the way Manning just put that Jayhawks team on his back with Larry Brown on the sidelines. Because you think about the rest of the players on that team, you don't really think of them. It's Kevin Pritchard, who's known more for being an executive in the NBA than anything he ever did at Kansas, or Chris Piper, or Milton Newton and his wraparound layup that Brent Musburger almost lost his mind on in the national championship game. All these guys playing well above their heads because of Danny Manning's leadership. DeAndre Ayton had 14-13 and last night. Those are certainly not numbers to be upset with. But you got two kids playing for Buffalo that had 23. You had one with 23, one with 25. You had one kid with 19 and one with 13. Nobody else at Arizona did virtually anything last night. They were as unimpressive and flat from the beginning of that game as you could possibly expect. But as close as it was at the half, you still expect a talented team. Like, you're waiting. At some point, you're waiting for Ayton. You're waiting for a dominant player to dominate. And it just didn't happen, Jeff. It just flat out did not happen. No, it did not. And you know, credit Buffalo, of course, for being able to to shut Aiden down really, and then you know, pressure the guards into making mistakes. You know, Arizona was two for eighteen on three pointers, which is a huge problem for them because if you're going to to go hard at Aiden inside, then your shooters have to make shots for you to succeed as a team. Also, Arizona played no defense, and, and Buffalo came into the game as a high scoring team, and they scored a lot of points. I was just. I, like I said, I went I went to bed at halftime, and they were down three, I believe, or four, and Buffalo finished the half pretty strong. And I I woke up this morning just I think it was like three in the morning when I went to. I was I was just completely shocked that Arizona got blown out. Look, losing by one or two or three, sure. Um, you know, Loyola Chicago hits a big shot. Miami loses by two, sure. But like you mentioned, when you have a player who is going to be the first pick in the draft, and you go out with a whimper, that's not a good look. But I'll say this, the best player or the player who's drafted number one in the NBA draft doesn't have to be or lead their college to victories. Look at Ben Simmons or Fultz, right? They didn't even make the tournament in their senior year, or the last year, I should say, that that, that they were there. So you, it doesn't always translate to victories in the tournament. We, we like to think it would. But now there's a pattern of Arizona not being able to live up or play up to their talent in the tournament. And how much longer is Sean Miller? Well, he might not be there much longer because of this investigation. But how much longer is Arizona, you know, going to put up with having talented teams and being ousted really early in the tournament? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, at some point you do have to win, and Sean Miller is one of those coaches that you just can't trust when it comes to March. And that's not just with this hanging over his head with the FBI thing. It's just what he's been able to do as a coach. This is the second time in three years Arizona's been bounced in the first game it's played in the NCAA tournament. And we've mentioned other guys that are on that list as well. Matt Painter's Purdue team plays today. I had somebody that's a Purdue fan that said that he liked me until I said that I had Purdue going out fairly early in this tournament. That's nothing about Purdue's talent. Purdue's a great basketball team. I just haven't seen anything from Matt Painter. And college basketball has largely, for a long time, been about great coaches who are able to recruit but also able to coach up their kids when it comes down to it uh, in crunch time. And Matt Painter hasn't been able to do that. And Steve Alford has not been able to do that. No. And Sean Miller has not been able to do that. And Rick Barnes, who they, that team looked very good. Tennessee looked very yeah. good yesterday. Of course, they're playing Sister Jean tomorrow, so we'll see how that plays out. But Rick Barnes couldn't get out of the first weekend with Kevin Durant. Like there, there are just coaches that seem to just, for some reason, they cannot get their guys ready to play in these NCAA tournament turnarounds. And Sean Miller appears to be one of those. But if you want to look at the stats that determined the game last night... Arizona's 2 of 18 from 3. Buffalo was 15 of 30. That's 45 points from 3. It's a 45 <laughs> to 6 is what it is between in a discrepancy. It is a 39-point discrepancy between Buffalo and Arizona from deep. And that's how these mid-majors, that's how these smaller conference schools, these smaller, those lesser-known schools generally win these games is that they can shoot it from deep. And they can beat a team like Syracuse or beat a team like Virginia because they can get hot and shoot over top of the zone. If they have one guy that's fairly tall, they can be dominant. Think about Mike Dom yesterday for South Dakota State. They lost to Ohio State because he got winded in the second half because he was asked to do too much. But Mike Dom is 6'10", who can shoot a three, has one of the best-looking just one of the best looking jumpers in the game, sometimes doesn't even have to leave his feet, and he can shoot over the top of the players that are trying to guard him. Why is Kevin Durant so dominant from three? Because when his wingspan is high, and he's releasing up high, and he's jumping in the air, who exactly is going to block him on the perimeter? Unless you've got a DeAndre Jordan or somebody out there that deep, and usually you don't. Being able to shoot over is how you do it. The problem for most of the small conference schools is they don't have the tall guy. They have to do it with smaller guards who have to shoot over trees, and sometimes that just flat out doesn't work. But for Buffalo last night, that's exactly how they won the game. And Arizona was not playing physical either. Where they had an advantage being physical, they were not physical. They only took 11 free throws, Jeff, in that entire game. Arizona took 11 free throws against Buffalo. Buffalo took seven. That's a discrepancy that's way too close between an Arizona team that has so much more just true you can look at it see talent compared to compared to uh, buffalo yeah and and when you have the big fellow in the middle you have to feed him you you, you need to get into the line also getting to the line can slow down the game slow the pace of the game up trying to you know try to get buffalo to to not chuck up all these threes and slow it down look they played into buffalo style last night they took quick shots they didn't get the ball to aiden when they should have and they allowed buffalo to run up and down the court uncontested and fire up all these threes look they made a lot of them obviously but even if they made four less of them there's you know buffalo still blowing out arizona so there's a pac-12 guy went to oregon you know it's been a bad 
sports year for the for the Pac-12. One and eight in bowl games, and now zero and three in the in the uh, in the tournament. The first um, the first Power Five, and if you include the Big East, so six conferences since ninety six ninety seven, um, to not have one team escape the first round. I mean, even <laughs> worse. UCLA even worse. There's still an entire game left in the fir- or an entire day's worth of games. I know. Left in the first round. The Pac-12 was done on Thursday. Well, There's put, nothing three, left for them. We had three teams in and did not get USC in, who was second in the conference. Arizona State was ninth in the conference, but they had a good non-conference schedule, and so they got in even though they were terrible in, in the Pac-12 and didn't even get out of the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. They lost to Colorado by by 11 um, in the in the first game of the Pac-12 tournament, everyone thought ASU was going to be out, and, and USC made it to the, the final and played Arizona. Um, and so, you know, UCLA played St. Bonnie on Tuesday, and UCLA should never lose to St. Bonaventure, and they did, of course. And then Arizona State played Syracuse, and look, Syracuse, while not having a great season, is still Syracuse, still have Bayheim. They still play the 2-3 zone. They were really beat up this year. They only had seven scholarship players available to play, and one of them was coming off uh, a strep throat, uh, so he was going to be a little bit limited in, in his action, and they shut down Arizona State. Arizona State was held to its, its lowest scoring total of the year in 56 points, and that that was not that surprising. UCLA wasn't, obviously, last night with Arizona. Um, it's not good for the conference, and, you know, we it's always interesting to see how you determine the the how good a conference is. So do you determine that based off of postseason play, regular season play, non-conference play? You know, we, we talked in college football this year about the SEC being down, but then when you have Georgia and Alabama in the playoff, obviously, you know, they both won and end up playing in the championship game. Does the top end of your conference justify the bottom end being bad and put you in number one? I mean, what... I, I think it's. I think the playoffs do matter when you look at how good your conference is. Oh yeah, I think it does as well. The two biggest things that happened yesterday, one wasn't surprising at all. The other was with the Pac-12 being out because Arizona was a trendy pick to win the entire thing or certainly advance to the Final Four in San Antonio. The other one is that Oklahoma, that shouldn't have been in this tournament to begin with, completed an incredibly impressive streak. I want to congratulate all Sooner fans, all Sooner alumni out there as we had to break, it takes real talent to go winless in 2018 on the road or in neutral site games. 0 and 11 in 2018 away from home. You know where the NCAA tournament is not played? Home. That's why you should (laughs) have left Oklahoma at home and put in a Middle Tennessee State or a USC, despite what the Pac-12 has done or one of these other schools, because Oklahoma proved that they were going to be out relatively quickly. Even Trey Young, who did have a pretty pretty good day, although he had to take a lot of shots to score all the points that he did, once they figured him out and started putting two and three guys on him, it just made his life much more difficult. 0-11 on the road or in neutral sites for Oklahoma, a top-five team back in January, and you put them in the tournament, and you didn't even put them in a play-in game? Good call. We'll be right back. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. So I'll kick the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz, in for Clay Travis. He's back on Monday. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And I'm confident about this truth. If you think a train will stop you if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you. 
stop, please. Trains can't. Arizona's out. Now people are saying uh, Aiton's overrated. No. Slow down. And then, then people are talking about he can't even move. Well, he can't even move on the court. I saw that people tweeting that out last night. This dude's an amazing athlete. Just because his team lost last night doesn't all of a sudden make that not true. It's okay for both of those things to be true. That Aiton is easily the number one pick in the draft and that Arizona's not a particularly good tournament team with a particularly subpar tournament coach. And they got beat by a team that was just absolutely on fire last night offensively. And a team, as Jeff, you mentioned before, Buffalo can score. And Arizona last night just could not match them point for point. And Aiton never was able to take control of the game. And I mentioned this in the first in the first hour of the show. One of the big problems was because Arizona was running their offense through the guards and running their offense through everybody not named Aiton. Aiton didn't have the ball in his hands anywhere near enough especially to try and slow that game down. That's the other thing. If you're Arizona, maybe slow it down just a little bit, not let Buffalo continue to go out and shoot 15 for 30 from three-point range early in these shot clocks. Problem was, all of the Arizona team seemed content to take these shots before they had guys underneath to rebound and before Aiton actually got his hands on the basketball. I don't think Arizona should take any possessions, or certainly not back-to-back possessions, where Aiton does not at least touch the orange with his fingertips and be a part of the play, and that happened quite a bit last night. Yeah, I think this goes back to coaching, right? I mean, if you if things aren't going well, you need to be able to say, look, guys, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to slow it down. We're going to make sure Aiton gets the ball and keep harping that the, this things, these need to get done. Stop taking early shots. Give the ball to the big fella. Let him work with it. Stop trying to shoot early in, in, in the shot clock. Stop trying to take bad shots. We're two for 18 on three. Stop shooting threes. And that's where coaching comes in, I think, is, is you have to have a presence on the sidelines to be able to tell your guys and direct them into what to do. And maybe he did. They didn't listen, which is also a, a very bad problem for Arizona. Um, and now things change for them. The, the, the you know, Aiden will be gone. The investigation uh, will continue to happen. Sean Miller, I would assume, will not be back next year, even though he obviously denies any wrongdoing. Um, and if they fire him, you know, without cause, they'll have to pay a salary, obviously. But I, I just, I think this investigation is going to be going to end up, um, you know, he'll be out of a job, whether or not he did anything wrong. I think Arizona would just want to cut ties and move forward. Yeah, and they've already lost a couple of guys that were coming in that had committed who have now decommitted and they've got a, obviously they've got Aiden leaving and they're going to be decimated. They're not going to be the team that we have seen. So that's maybe a rebuilding job, but it's still such a great job that I think that at some point you do need to move move, move away from Sean Miller and even without everything that's going on, dude can't win in the tournament. And I don't care what you can do in the regular season. You can win a ton of basketball games in the regular season, but if you can't at least make it to the final four, with some of the talent that that guy has had under you know under his time there you know Derek Williams and obviously now with Aiton and all these guys that they have had there and have not been able to do anything with at some point there's only one common denominator that's been there throughout that entire time and that's the head coach and that's why again I say Matt Painter and Purdue they have a really good team this year this is the year that they need to win I don't mean necessarily they have to win the championship They've got to go deep into this tournament because Purdue just has not done that, and they've had a lot of talent as well. They've dealt with injuries to a couple of key players going into the tournament at times in the past, but Matt Painter eventually has put up a shut-up time because there are a lot of other coaches that don't have the talent that you do that do more with it in the one place that it matters. Nobody cares about your regular season record. 
Nobody cares what uh, your seed was in the conference tournament. They care about what you do in the big dance. Right. And Purdue has done right. virtually nothing in the big dance. Their road starts today. I will be watching them with great interest because this is another situation I look at where at some point you're going to get tired of being really good and underperforming in the one tournament that anybody cares about in college basketball. Right. And here's the thing, though, is I feel like more often than not, college coaches underachieve, and only a couple every year seem to overachieve, or not overachieve, but have the same success year after year. And some of these coaches from, from smaller schools that, that overachieve every year never want to leave, never want to go to to the big dog, because maybe the pressure at those schools is too much and they enjoy you know being being the underdog they enjoy being the small school they enjoy players staying for four years they enjoy being able to coach up kids year after year and implement a system and not have to worry about kids leaving um you know after one season and i get why they would want to stay i totally understand it so you know you have the coach k's the roy williams the bill self i mean does cal perry even count him he don't really win many championships charles Um, barkley loves him charles barkley would not stop talking about what a great coach john calipari was yesterday again charles barkley who started watching college basketball about a week ago somewhere in there and that might be giving a little bit too much credit I think Calipari, we've, we've had the discussion on this show before and tried to talk about how good a coach John Calipari is. I think John Calipari is a good coach. I, th- I think you have to be, even with what he's been recruiting. And the one and done, sometimes you're going to be better than you are in other years. He should have potentially cashed in with that John Wall team, and he wasn't able to do that. That team was absolutely loaded and, w- and was not able to win. But I don't think John Calipari is a bad basketball coach. I think he's actually an above-average basketball coach. I don't think he's an elite basketball coach he's an elite recruiter he's an elite motivator but at times when you come down to the x's and o's there are guys that just tend to be better than he is and honestly i think roy williams is not the best x's and o's coach i think that's where your tom Izzo's and your mike krzyzewski's and some of those guys stand above roy williams is an unbelievable recruiter everybody wants to play for him he is a good coach and has a good basketball mind but i don't think anybody looks at or i don't i know i don't i've never looked at roy williams and seen dean smith in Roy Williams when it comes to just his basketball IQ of being able to out-coach the other guy. That's not something I've ever seen from him. He just has immense talent, and he does get a lot out of that talent, especially early in their careers. Well, that sounds like good coaching to me. Well, it is good coaching. I'm just saying I don't, I don't necessarily think he's an elite coach when you think about coach. He is an elite winner, and maybe that's enough. I'm just saying, I think there's different definitions of what a great coach is. And some people give John Calipari no credit because of the talent that he's had. Well, it's not like Carolina hasn't had a lot of talent. It's not like a lot of right. these teams that win have not had a lot of talent. Now, Calipari's had more than most, but he's also had to piecemeal it together. What's the common denominator about this North Carolina team this year? All the veterans on that team. Luke May and Joel Berry and all of these guys. And Theo Pinson that's kind of come out of nowhere to be a really solid player for them. It's not these one-and-done kids that you just kind of shuttle around and have to restructure every year. Your coaching style may have to alter because all of these kids are so different. Year after year, it's like you're changing schools. You're still getting the best players in the country, but there are a lot of teams that are glued, like the Wisconsin teams of the past and some of the teams that have beaten Calipari's Kentucky teams because the Kentucky team is just together for three months. It's like an extended McDonald's All-American team that's played for a little bit longer and if you run into a team that has some seniors and really has this kind of more of a team atmosphere you can get beat but shouldn't shouldn't some credit be given to coaches who have to constantly coach with in that style 
where you don't get to have guys for years and you have to be able to yes. mold the team and get a team ready to go in three months with brand new players every single year. I think that I think that we do not give enough credit to the coaches who have to routinely do this. It's that's hard to do. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I think John Calipari is a very good basketball coach. I don't think he's elite, but I think what he's asked to do, he gets no credit because of the talent he has. Nobody realizes the challenge that's in front of him. You can't compare John Calipari to somebody like Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson would largely play with the same people year after year after year. John Calipari has to take a great crop of kids every year But they're not the same crop. The team that he worked with last year is nothing like the team that he's working with this year. And it's going to be nothing like the team that he works with next year unless Adam Silver's plan goes through and they eliminate the one and done and we stop seeing a lot of these kids come to college in the first place. So what John Calipari does, it takes a unique skill set and it takes a lot of patience. How many times has Kentucky ended up being like a four seed and then they become a trendy pick to win it all? This year they're a five seed and everybody's saying they're peaking right now. They're playing their best basketball of the season. Of course, because why would you expect kids that don't know any better, that haven't been there, that have just known Kentucky Blue for the last few months but haven't known each other at all and are still already looking towards the NBA? It takes time to put chemistry together. Look at the Oklahoma City Thunder and how long it took for them to really come around at all with this new crop that they put together. It's not easy Calipari's the one thing that stays there year after year, and he sometimes has to alter what he does to fit the skill set of his team. And I do think that that takes more talent than people give him credit for. No, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that it it it's tough to do year after year. Now, he gets the benefit of having very good basketball players, um, so I don't feel terribly sorry for him, but I understand how tough that would be to do year after year and also to be in the road recruiting every single year for three, four, five more elite basketball players. Agreed. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia. He is our elite player here on the OutKick crew. Find out what happened in the world of sports. Eddie, how are you? I'm good. You are too kind. First day of the NCAA tournament. Big upset in the South region as 13-seeded Buffalo beat 4th-seeded Arizona 89-68. Not close. Buffalo with the easy win over the Wildcats. Also, 11-seeded Loyola Chicago gets a last-second three-pointer to be 6-seeded Miami and Florida, 64-62. Other winners in the South region were 3rd-seeded Tennessee and 5th-seeded Kentucky. In the West region, you had 4th-seeded Gonzaga needing a late three-pointer to get by UNC Greensboro, 68-64. 6-seeded Houston got a layup with just over a second to play to beat San Diego State, 67-65. Also wins for 3rd-seeded Michigan and 5th-seeded Ohio State. In the East region, top-seed Villanova rolled over Radford, 80 7-61, third seeded Texas Tech, six seeded Florida, and ninth seeded Alabama also advanced. And in the Midwest region, it was top seed Kansas beating Penn 76-60, second seeded Duke, seven seeded Rhode Island, and eighth seeded Seton Hall also were victorious. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shipping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And guys, Tiger Woods shot a 68 in the opening round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational on Thursday. He's four shots behind the leader, Henrik Stenson. Woods birdied three of his first nine holes to take an early lead before double bogeying on the 12th hole to fall back. However, his first round was enough for the Westgate Superbook to move Woods from 10 to 1 to 8 to 1 to win the Masters, putting him ahead of Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, who are 9 to 1. Woods is also now the Masters favorite at Caesars Palace and the William Hill Sportsbook as well. 
Appreciate that, Eddie. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the games. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And when you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want the most efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Then you'll discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for their hiring. Post a job today. Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Jeff Schwartz in with me. Jason Martin. Clay Travis is back on Monday. I just saw a crazy stat. I'm going to try and put it together, though, before I rattle it off incorrectly. But it's another, let's just say it's not a particularly great Arizona statistic. It's not that we're trying to dog on them today. But I will tell you, uh, it's hard not to after what happened to them yesterday. I think I like my march more Loyola Chicago than I do Buffalo. But getting one of those Buffalo plays or one of those kind of Buffalo games that's just completely baffling where you're waiting for the bigger team to come back and they never do the way Florida Gulf Coast just blew Georgetown off the floor years ago in that classic, that that's fun too. But the buzzer beater, the way that we got from Loyola Chicago, that's the first time and maybe one of the only times yesterday where I truly felt like that's March. That and the Houston win with what Rob Gray did last night, 39 points, None maybe more effective than that layup because I don't know how he got that thing over the rim. The English that he had to put on that after splitting three defenders with his offhand was absolutely incredible. 39 points. Elvin Hayes had the record. Now Rob Gray's got the record for Houston. And he's got that man bun, which is not okay. But if you go for 39, you can have a man bun. But I'll tell you what, I tweeted this out last night, Jeff. If you got that man bun and you score 39, you can do what you want. But if you if you struggle <laughs> later on in this tournament, people are going to destroy your hair on social media. Well, I think he he knows what he signed up with with the man button on <laughs> social media. He he must know. He's in that age bracket where he's very aware of what happens on social media. I guess is that does that make you more impressed because he knows what's coming here? Does that just show what kind of confidence that he has that he's going with the yes. man bun in front of everybody like that and doesn't care? Or his lack of caring, which would be even better. I, I don't. I just look. I'm going to man bun it up. I'm going to look good. I'm going to play good. Look good. Play good. Right. Feel good. Um, but yes, if he goes out next game and scores seven points and shoots, you know, uh, six or three for for twenty, he's going to be he's going to be crushed online for that. I'm getting crushed online now for my take on UNC basketball. Look, I think Roy Williams is a good coach. I just don't think he's out coaching a whole lot of people on a regular basis. They've had a lot of talent. They haven't had as much talent as Kentucky has. They often have a lot of good freshmen, and he has to do the same thing Roy Williams does, although there are some seniors that are carrying him right now. I just don't, th- I have never looked at Roy Williams and been like, that guy is one of the greatest basketball coaches I've ever seen on the college level. Not compared to like a Shashevsky, not compared to like a Tom Izzo. When you look at pure coaching acumen, there are different descriptions of it. That's no slight on Williams. I think Roy Williams is fantastic. I just don't think he is somebody that I fear when it comes straight down to the whiteboards and the X's and O's. But how, Just I my mean, opinion. Like, to, like, who do you fear, though, in college basketball that's a whiteboard guy? I mean... Coach K, who else do you fear who's going to drop a play at the end of a game? I feel like in college basketball, we just don't have a lot of coaches in general that you fear the last minute of a game drawing up basketball plays. 
Yeah, well, I don't necessarily mean that it's the last second plays or even the inbounds plays, but it's the substitution patterns and some of the other things that go into the game that are a little bit more, I don't know, the stuff that we wouldn't talk about necessarily on sports talk radio, going into those weeds and into those details. I don't necessarily think it's the same way as the NBA where you can look at a guy like Popovich and say, all right, well, that guy always has great inbounds plays. Or Doc Rivers back when he was with the Celtics when he was a really good coach before he went to L.A. and, well, became what L.A. Clippers usually become. But you you get more of an opportunity, I think, to do that kind of thing in the NBA. I've just right. I've just always thought Roy Williams was maybe a little bit overrated as a basketball coach, not overrated as a recruiter. Not overrated as a motivator. I just think that there are different definitions, and some people will slight Calipari and not give, or, or not give him credit, but give Roy Williams sometimes too much credit. Fair enough. Okay. I just I just wanted to wanted to clarify that we've got one more segment, one more segment left in the week. We'll have some fun with it. Maybe play some audio for you on the other side. Stick with us. This is Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Montel Jordan taking us into the weekend as always on a Friday. It's the Outkick the Coverage Radio program. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz. I'm at Jmart Outkick. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on Twitter. We're in for Clay Travis. He's back on Monday. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. Got to get this one out there one more time. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. All right. I love to Ohio know the, State. The market, Go ahead. Re, I love to know the market research that went into targeting the, this audience for that uh, for that for that read. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I think it was 230 people were killed killed by trains last year. So it is something that is happening, and it's something you need to be aware of. I just didn't know that there were enough people that weren't aware of it. I didn't realize <laughs> that people were just like, I mean, that train's coming, but I think I'll be okay. Maybe a glancing blow, and then it completely steamrolls you and runs you over and leaves you like a poacher just with nothing but a head, as we talked about in Animal Thunderdome at the end of Hour 2. Ohio State beat South Dakota State yesterday in one of the better games of the day. They were able to pull away late, but it was a pretty close game throughout. The first half in particular was wildly entertaining, a 43-43 to game at the half. Stars on both sides showing up, a lot of big shots, a lot of big shots from deep, and a couple of nice dunks as well. Ohio State coach Chris Holtzman knew that South Dakota State was a popular upset pick in that game to beat his Buckeyes, and uh, he appreciated it, as a matter of fact. Listen to this. I just want to thank all the fine, smart, clever journalists that didn't pick us. We got some great ones out there, and trust me, our guys were aware of that, so appreciate that. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Coach. I didn't pick you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying. I, mean, I don't have. I don't have any kind of scalding take there. I'm just. I mean, he, you're welcome. And I mean, look, they have a great player, the Big Ten Player of the Year, on that team, and he's coming around. And when the rest of the team can play around a Player of the Year in a Power Five conference, the way that they did yesterday, making shots, that's going to help you. You're going to be able to win a lot of games doing that. Dan Dockage's son out there making three balls, just stealing balls in the open floor, making great passes. You know, they played really, really well yesterday. If they play like that tomorrow, they can probably win tomorrow as well. I didn't pick them to win that game, so certainly they're already out of my bracket. I haven't even really looked at my bracket. Like, there were some people, of course, doing what they always do. I was blah, blah, blah and one yesterday, or I'm nine and one right now in my bracket. If you ever see me do like that, Danny just G. please I'm, call I went, me out. I went 
like Danny G. I went thirteen and three yesterday. Everybody, is that what you? Yeah, Danny, that's right. Just three misses. What were the three misses, by the way? Uh the three misses: uh, Seton Hall, Florida, and Buffalo. Oh well, yeah, of course, Buffalo. Yeah, six. I think there's six thousand perfect brackets left at the ESPN bracket challenge. I saw uh, some. I don't. And and you know ahead. what, Jeff? That's the first time I've ever done well in the first round. So let me have my joy. <laughs> You're a Raiders um, fan. You're not allowed to have joy. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about Jordy Nelson? Yeah, I was actually about to ask that to you guys. It's like, I mean, they lose Crabtree, which disappoints me because Talib was still going to Talib going to the Rams. He was still going to be able to play against the Raiders yeah, this yeah. year. That was so disappointing because I needed Chain Gate number three. <laughs> but you lose Michael Crabtree, but you pick up Jordy Nelson. I, I still believe Nelson's got something left in the tank. What do you guys think? I like it. Uh, Jeff and I were talking before the show because I was asking him if he thinks Carr and, and Jordy will get along well. I, I think they will. One one thing the Raiders were missing was a, a middle-of-the-field type threat. They didn't really have that. Like, uh, you know, Crabtree is great on the outside. They have a younger version of that on their team right now. So they're set there. So I could see Jordy down the middle. And, Jeff, you made the point that he'll fit in nicely to the West Coast offense. Yeah, because if you look at the Packers' offense, this is what the Giants have the same problem with, with McAdoo is, and this is why the Packers' offense is getting kind of stale, and Packer fans will yell at me, well, it was, we were top. That's not, what, that's not what, what it means. I don't care about how many yards you have. I don't. It, the reason why it's stale is because it is set up to – to where you want the wide receiver himself to get open. You're in stagnant formations. You're running at this fast tempo, which is fine. The, the, the tempo is not a big problem, but you're in, the, you're in the same formations. You're on the same side of the field for all the wide receivers. It relies a lot on the wide receivers getting open by themselves. That's why Aaron Rodgers is always scrambling everywhere because it takes forever for wide receivers to, to get open, especially against cover two, when you – no, that's what they're going to do because they're in the same formation all the time. In a West Coast offense, a West Coast offense relies a lot upon the scheme to get guys open, whether it's formations, whether it's motions, whether it's matchups. Yes, you still have to be a good route runner to be a good wide receiver, but it relies a lot more on allowing guys or allowing the scheme to get guys open, whether it's the mesh routes on third down, which I think Jordy Nelson would be great at when, when guys cross across the field on, on man coverage on third down, especially third and medium, those mesh routes. Uh, the West Coast offense, to your point about not having a middle of field threat, the West Coast offense always has somebody who's crossing the middle of the field. It's always it's shallow. U shallow, F shallow, uh, Z shallow, always a shallow crossing route. So I think Jordy fits really well there. Jeff, it's always fun having you. We'll talk to you on Wednesday again. We'll see what else has happened. Maybe an NFL free agency. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. Radford's coach with the parting shot, certainly of the week, saying he was only there not to get fined after the loss to Villanova. We'll see you. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.